Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Creative Control with Bish Khan. On the sixth episode of this show this week, I can't believe I just said that. Six episodes in one week? That's crazy. I was trying to get this down to one a week. This week I did six. I need some help. I have some issues. I don't even know why I'm doing this. I know why I'm doing this. We all know why I'm doing this. Anyway, six episodes. I'm going a little nuts. They all pertain to promoting this weekend's Hillside Festival in Guelph. I hope you've enjoyed the episodes. I think they've, a couple of them among the best ones I feel like I've done. I, I like them. So I hope you enjoy them. And this one is good, too. This is with Nick Ferriero, my old friend. He plays in The Burning Hell, and he's got a solo career. He's got a new album out. We're going to hear a song or two from it and talk about it a bunch. And that's it. And this is the last episode before the Hillside Festival. If you're going to the Hillside Festival in Guelph, I've, I'm happy to report there will be creative control with Vishkana t-shirts for sale, apparently. Spoke to the t-shirt making guy today. Seems like they're already got them done. So they'll be there. You can pick one up if you like. And if not, patreon.com slash creative control. Again, our objective is to get to $500 a month in pledges by the end of August. We are currently sitting pretty at $249. So if you haven't donated yet and you were thinking about it, please do. And uh, again, $10 or more a month and you get a t-shirt. There's sizes and colors and it's good. That's the best I can offer you. There's other stuff that I say I can offer you there. I don't even know if I can. Some of it's lies. Here's me and Nick Ferriero. The 32nd Annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, rain or shine, featuring performances by Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantines, Nick Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Doldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Everlovin' Jug Band, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Crazy Four, David Francie, Michael Franti and Spearhead, Galacticats, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Lana Gurr and the Greatest State. 
Fate, Hungai, The Henry, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of Strength, Tommy Crest, Team, Thus Owl, Tribekistan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about purchasing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. Heartfelt singer and songwriter based in Peterborough, Ontario. A member of the humorous and wise folk rock band The Burning Hell, Ferio has emerged as an artistic force in his own right, releasing two seven inch singles and now two full length albums that have each been acclaimed by critics as vibrant contributions to folk and country music in Canada and beyond. His latest album is entitled Amongst the Coyotes and Bird Songs. It's out now via Headless Owl and Shuffling Feet Records. And it's prompted Ferio to play select tour dates, including one at the uh, Hillside Festival in Guelph during the weekend of July 24th. Here now to discuss this further is Nick Ferio. Uh, hi, Nick. How are you? Good, Vish. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Where Where are you, Nick? I'm in Peterborough, back at home, sweating. Yes, it's a hot... As we're speaking here uh, in, in southern Ontario, well, yeah, you're, is Peterborough southern Ontario? I think it is. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's like 30 degrees Celsius, 32, I don't know what the, Something like that. Yeah, the humidity makes it like 41. It's just a horrible day. But, it's a good day to swim. Yeah, I went to the lake with my family today. I went to the lake with my dog and my girlfriend today. It was great. That's your family. You can call them your family. Yeah, they're my family. I went with my family, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we went to Guelph Lake. Where did you go? I went to uh, Lakefield. There's a nice little beach there, and we sat by the beach and went swimming. Nice. Cool. Well, that's, Yeah, that's, it, was, it was nice. That's what you got to do. And you say you're back home. Does that imply you had been away? Yeah, I just got back from a tour, uh, The Burning Hell and myself we did a, a tour in the uk and we did some shows in france and in germany and then i did a bunch on my own as well so i took the train around and 
and uh, traveled by myself at the end of the Burning Hell tour. Oh, nice. It was really fun. Yeah. Does that, that works out well. The Burning Hell, because there's so many people in it, have a bit of a tradition of their opening act is often a member of the band who, with their own project. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and so we did a bunch of stuff in the UK where I opened up, and then um, sort of at the end of that tour, I booked I booked a bunch of shows on my own, nice. and took the train. It was really it was really nice. It was the first time I've done that before, so uh, it was nice. It was weird being without the band, but it was also really a really great time to reflect and and uh, try not to miss trains. <laughs> sure, and I've heard I've not been to Europe extensively. I spent some time in as an adult anyway, in Oslo, and that was interesting. But what's the train situation like compared to Canada? It's amazing. It's way more organized, uh, way more affordable. Oh. Um, yeah, really cheap. The trains are really cheap, really on time. Um, you can go between any any city, and it's really easy. In Canada, as you know, it's, you know, it takes, you have to book it way ahead and it's like $400 to go to Montreal or something along those lines, you know. Do you, uh, and is it, is it like, so just so people who are listening from uh, outside of Canada know, we have a Via train service, which is kind of a higher end train, you know, softer, not like your own mm-hmm. uh, cabin or anything. Well, unless you pay for that, unless you're traveling long distances, right. you can get a thing. But we've got that, and then we also have like a Go Train service, which is just basically a slightly nicer subway car thing. Yeah, <laughs> that just that's for like sort of you know in between little inner city commuting. Are, are, are is all of the train service really awesome in Europe? Is it better than Via? Is it better? Ger- yeah, my experience is it's just in Germany, but they have um, they have high speed trains. They're called ICE, which sounds a lot cooler than ours does. Ours is Go Train, which is pretty cool, but theirs is ICE, so it sounds really cool. Sounds very and German. It, goes, it sounds very German. It to does me. the ICE train, yeah. And uh, you take the ICE train, and it's very fast and uh, really efficient. But they're also, you know, on, on the Go Train, you could potentially, if you really wanted to, you could probably get away with sneaking on and sneaking off. In Germany, there's no no chance of that. I think you'd get caught. What do you They're mean? Very thorough. What? Oh, they like they come and check and make sure you're... they check every ticket. Yeah, every ride. So they're they're very thorough, making sure that you're the right person, that you're on the right train. So you're saying the main difference between the train service is the people operating the trains in Canada and versus Germany. The, the Canadians are just lazier. Yeah, <laughs> they're just lazy. A little bit more laid back, perhaps. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's nice. I love the Go Train. I think it's great. Okay. Every time I'm on the Go Train, I think about Mike O'Neill for some reason. Mike O'Neill, does he have – Mike O'Neill is a frequent uh, – well, sorry, he's been on this show before, a uh, singer-songwriter yep. dude from the Inbreds and other stuff, own mm-hmm. stuff. He's – what's he doing now? He co-wrote uh, – he co-writes the Trailer Park Boys movies and he – He does, yeah. He just wrote that uh, – co-wrote that show, Black Jesus. And did that record with Devin, Spr- uh, Devin Sprout? Is that – Sproul. Sproul. Devin Sproul. Sproul. Devin Sproul. Yeah. Yeah, Devin Sproul. Yeah, that record's great. And yeah, he's he's wonderful. So, but I don't know why, but I think he lived in Oshawa, or he's from Oshawa originally, or the, Kingston or something, and he took the GO Train a lot. And every time I talk to him about Ontario, he's like, GO Train! And he gets excited about the GO Train. <laughs> um, so yeah. every time I'm on the GO Train, I'm like, I send him a text. I'm like, I'm on the GO Train. And he's like, right on. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good man, that Mike O'Neill, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about uh, a bunch of stuff to do with your music and not just trains that you visit. Although, <laughs> yeah, but... given the fact that you're, you're making, uh, you've been making more sort of earnest country music lately i think the train fascination might be appropriate it's a good, <laughs> it's yeah. a good intro yeah i found a D, I found a vhs the other day when i was cleaning up of i guess neil young when i was a kid was on him was on much music 
and it was an interview with him about his train collection. Yeah. It was right around when he was touring with Sonic Youth. Right. And um, I rem- I just found the VHS and I watched it the other day and it's amazing. He just sort of invites the crew into his basement and shows them all of his trains. It's yeah, pretty he's, weird. He's got a Lionel train thing happening, I believe. Yeah, he really does. He's really into trains. Yeah. Yeah, no, trains are cool. I like trains too and so does... So did Johnny Cash. <laughs> you know, they'd all sing, all the country guys would sing about trains. It's true. <clears throat> In the um, biographical promotional material for your latest album, there's this phrase, uh, ferociousness of love, that the record yeah. is about the ferociousness of love. Can you expand upon that? What does that mean? Yeah, I think it means just, um, I don't know. I always I always said, like, when I, was write, when I was starting to write songs that are about love songs, you know, songs that are about love or about relationships, um, that's, you know, it could be writing about, it could be writing about Canadian politics or it could be writing about a number of other things. And look, why do I keep coming back to wanting to write about, write about love and relationships and those sorts of things? And then, and then I was thinking, you know, it's like, it's such a, it is kind of a, it can be a really courageous place. It can be a place where you have to be brave. You have to be, you have to do all these things that, um, you know, I, I, I hopefully won't fight in a war, but uh, those are the sorts of the sorts of moments that I think where I'm going to be more courageous, more st- st- strong, more um, sensitive, more um, more beaten up while those sorts of things happen in, in relationships for me anyways. Um, so that's why I think I write about those sorts of things. And that's the way I sort of sort of heard the collection of songs. So you, you are I'm curious about your conflation between bravery courage and warfare and love yeah well maybe not warfare but just thinking about like thinking about how uh yeah love can be a sort of a ferocious thing it can be this it can be this thing that could spit you up and swallow you or it can be this thing that can be really um you know enriching and and uh provide you with so much so much joy um so yeah i feel like it's it's sort of uh yeah it's like a uh, a caged animal or something along those lines, you know? But you don't, you certainly, you. I don't think of you as someone who views relationships as particularly adversarial or anything. No, not at all. <laughs> no. no, but it, but but you, but you, you seem to set yourself up for a kind of, it's like you're bracing yourself for something. Yeah. You've had, yeah, I think you, so. Is it as you've had your heart broken? Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. A bunch of times. Yeah. And, and so that, yeah. that, that, uh, that that makes you approach love kind of cautiously, but also I think you do view it as a bit of a monster. I do, yeah, but I also think of it like in a terms of optimism too, right? Like I think about I think about um potential relationships as this can be this wonderful thing. You know, I just started started seeing someone and it's really great. It's like the thing I'm thinking about all the time while I'm doing all these other things and this thing that sort of enriches your enriches your experience um but at the same time it's a it's a a, it can be a fleeting thing and so i just i just find that fascinating um and so i try to explore it with my writing i feel like uh almost every time i I see you or we speak or i run into you 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 say you're just starting a relationship and i (laughs) and and this (laughs) i'm trying to uh, approach this gingerly here i'm not trying to uh, make you feel bad about that but um, is it difficult because you travel so much as a musician? Is it difficult to maintain a relationship? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been definitely been tricky. Um, yeah, I mean, going away all the time, it's hard to have any sense of uh, sense of normalcy at home. Um, yeah, it's tricky. S- and this sort of suggests that perhaps your 
relationship with your work, with your music is is really your muse on some level. That's the thing that keeps you moving. Yeah, I'd say so. I think so. It's definitely um it's definitely a, a constant, especially with between doing Burning House stuff and doing my own stuff, or whether I'm working with like working with Steve Lamke or working with someone else on a project. Um yeah, there's like it's it's great, but at the same time it, it does keep you, you know if you want to have the sort of the the mom and dad uh home life, it's kinda of hard to, to build that. I mean I really envy people that are able to able to do that. And I mean there are lots of musicians as you know that have have really solid home lives and I think that that's uh, the beautiful thing and I one day hope to have that kind of thing. You long for that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it would be cool to be cool to go on the road and then come back and have go to your house with your family and those sorts of things. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. And and I mean, but you haven't done, you, you are still, you haven't done anything to kind of cash in your music chips and do, yeah, no, do, not yet. Do, do something a bit more, something that would keep you around a home or a house. No, not, not, not currently. <laughs> right. So I think maybe that'll just happen naturally for you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, does does the album? So the record is amongst the coyotes and bird songs. Does this record yeah. capture something specific about you and your life? Um, well, I wrote some of it in Dawson City. So I was in Dawson doing the songwriters residence. So the Dawson City Music Festival has a songwriter residence program, and I was selected to do that. So I wrote some of it up there, um, and some of the songs were written before I went and did that. And it was a there was a person that I was seeing that actually went to Dawson. So there was a connection to Dawson there. Um, in a lot of the songs and uh, yeah um, it's it's sort of just I kind of worked on this sort of theme over and over again I'm a big fan of like people like Jason Molina um, or um, Bonnie Prince Billy and they tend to they tend to work on a theme throughout a record or sometimes throughout a number of records Um, and so I was yeah I kind of wanted to work work on one theme for, for this record and that was sort of thinking about love in these in these different sort of ways Okay, so the hmm, thinking about love. So it's not simple. How is this different from other love song based out? You know, there's so many. We're lousy in this pl- on this planet with love songs. Do you feel <laughs> like you're? True. What you do? You feel like you've brought something? And you know, this phrase "ferociousness of love" does stick out to me. Do you? Do you mm-hmm. feel like at the end of it that you achieve something? Have you created some sort of idiosyncratic collection of love songs? I don't know if I I don't know if I'd be as bold to say that I've done something like that, but I think I think the songs for me, anyways, are um, are are sort of a, a collection of songs that I, I feel really proud of, and I feel like they're a collection of songs that that speak to speak to a bunch of universal experiences that might have come out of something I've I've had. I mean, I wouldn't be so bold as to say they're like, you know, I'm not not Elvis Costello yet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have particular songwriting heroes? You mentioned Bonnie Prince Billy and Jason Molina. Um, yeah, I mean, quite a few. Um, who would be up there? Willie Nelson's definitely up there. I'm a big Willie Nelson fan. Um, as, in terms of Canadian songwriters, I really love Steve Lampe's writing. I mean, I, I, that's close to home for both of us, but I think like I remember. I think the thing, the way I fell in love with Steve's writing was actually by hearing Attack and Black cover his stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, so I was a fan of like the Cons, obviously growing up. Um, the Constantines are still my favorite band, and and I was a fan of Steve's songs in that band. But I remember hearing that split with Attack and Black, and um, and hearing you know hearing those guys do Steve's music and 
being like, wow, I never really realized the lyrics were were like this. And then and then really d- diving in and being being kind of opened up to this sort of um, yeah this this poetic poetic visionary that's you know right up right right here in Ontario making amazing music. So it was it was really cool. So I'd put him up up there for me too and. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of people. Sure. I'm really lucky to live here in Peterborough too. We have a lot of amazing songwriters from from Peterborough, like people like Dave Tuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's quite a few. A guy named Bernie Martin was an amazing songwriter from here. Um, and then playing music with Matthias Calm has been really amazing. He's a wonderful songwriter. And I mean, I when I first moved to Peterborough, I fell in love with the, his song that's all about love. You know, it happens in Florida. Right. He was it was being the Silverhearts were playing it. And uh, and I didn't know that I'd end up playing in his band and playing it like a million times <laughs> down the line. I went and said, hey, are you guys going to play that song about love? And they were like, yeah, whatever, kid. Leave us alone. And then they played it, and I was totally blown away. And I thought it was one of their songs. And then I found out it was this guy, Matthias Calm, that wrote it, and we became buddies. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk to you more about Matthias in, in, in a little while. But I do – it says interesting jumping off point from your – inclusion in the burning hell you know you being part of that thing which was a f- which is rather more so these days like a rock band i guess um yeah uh, but it started as kind of this i don't want to say agit folk but it did have this kind of punk infused folk thing right totally yeah it was totally like a, a folk orchestra but it was there's so many people it was so loose yeah you know at one point we had two bassists right you know like like what was the point of that? But it was fun. <laughs> right. Other than fun, you know, that was the point. Right. And, and yeah. And, and the music was really wild and all over the place. It could. It could. It. It, it didn't. It, it was. I think. It, at the end of the day, no matter what was happening, it was sort of in a folk or folk rock idiom. Um, yeah. And you, when you branched off into being Nick Ferrio and his feelings, as you were calling, um, I think the project and your band at, at the time. Yep it became evident that you had a real affinity for and um, proficiency at writing country music. And yeah. I want to ask you about that because I think around that time, something was happening in Southern Ontario in particular where people were really adopting the generic, um, the conventions, but also trying to do something uh, unique with, with country music. I mean, there's the iconography of the hats and the cowboy hats and the, Western right. wear, and that's been happening. But can you talk a little bit about your what spurred that? Oh, I didn't mean to say spur. But what <laughs> what exactly spurred you in this direction to uh, when, when you were like I actually? And I mean, within that, I hope you'll get into this because you did have other kinds of side projects. Totally, uh, weird, I did, yeah. weird weather and all these other things. Can you talk about the the sort of evolution from you being in the burning hell to you yeah. trying to, to have little other bands and then now being Nick Ferrio? Totally. Yeah, well, it's sort of funny because like it started when I first moved to Peterborough. I was doing music. I, I moved from I lived in a place called Sutton, Ontario, which is like a cottaging community, really small. There wasn't really much music going on there because there wasn't very many people. Um, and then I found out about the Silverhearts living in Peterborough, and I moved to Peterborough to hear to basically go to school here and hang out, hang around, and watch this band, pretty much. And um, and they were playing playing folk songs, playing country songs, 
playing the Harry Smith anthology, essentially, you know, playing all this stuff that I was totally in love with and thought no one on earth was into other than me and maybe like a few select people, but certainly no one in my town, you know, and then I came to found Peterborough and I was like, there's a whole town that goes out every Wednesday to see this band. Like what, what universe is this, you know? And then I was still making songs and I was writing country songs and I was writing folk songs and stuff. And uh, yeah, and I came here and started playing music and, and the Burning Hell um, has, and I think, I mean, currently we're still the same sort of, it's been the same five people for, for the last five years. But before that, it was kind of a wide collection of people from all over the place. The Matthias sort of cherry-picked from from different bands and different communities. So, you know, we had people in Peterborough that were in different bands, some people that were in the Silver Hearts, some people that were in other projects. Um, and then we had, like, people like um, Jenny Mitchell and, and Jordy Gordon from the Bar Mitzvah Brothers from Guelph joined the band. Um, and then eventually the band went to Newfoundland and people from that, that community sort of joined. And that's sort of why it's such a strange band where two people live in Newfoundland, two people live in Prince Edward Island, and I live in Peterborough. And yet we still tour around. Yeah. And, we you know, it's sort of this funny thing. Um, but at the same time, I was doing the whole time I was doing writing my own songs and um, yeah. And, and sharing those with, with people at shows or sharing them with, with Matthias and being like, what do you think of this song? Do you think it's any good or, or how can I improve it? Or, or what, what should I do with it? Or what are those sorts of things, you know? Um, but with country music, I was always writing countries, country ish songs and really obsessed with country music um, and like building a country record collection and um, luckily, we have Blue Streak Records here in Peterborough, and they have a really great used collection of country records. And Tim Haynes, um, who's actually Emily Haynes' older brother um, from Metric, he um, he gave me a whole bunch of country records one year for my birthday. He was like, you're really into country music. Here's 10 country records that you need. Nice. He's like, take them. These are 10 really important country records, and like, go home and soak them up, you know? Um, so yeah, and then I started writing country songs and, and wanting to put together a wanting to put together sort of a, a country sounding band. Um, yeah. And so that's where the Nick Farron's feelings sort of project sort of started. Right. Um, but yeah, and it felt, it felt good. Like Matthias was like, if you want to ever open up some of the shows and you put together a band, we can do that. And so that's sort of how I got the, the sort of, you know, impetus to start doing it and make a record and all those sorts of things. Do you, the, the kind of aspects of it that are sort of fashion oriented or, you know, there's a bit of dress up going on with some of the country, totally. country music people that are younger. They're trying to immerse themselves in uh, fashion that probably doesn't suit them necessarily, but they're just, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very natural to be like, you know, when you get into any genre, you maybe start sort of trying Dressing to... Dressing the part. Yeah. If you're into hip hop, you might wear a certain thing or whatever. D- does that... Is that something that you have gotten into? Do you think that you you have? I got into Western clothes when I was really young, like when when thrifting was when I was really into thrifting and going thrifting. And actually, when I moved to Guelph to go to school, I got rid of all my Western shirts, and then I moved home from Guelph and uh, and started a country band. It was pretty stupid. <laughs> I could have used those shirts. <laughs> so you're you're not um, you're not like uh, there's some cynicism I think towards that from people who are like. Daniel Romano, what the hell is going on with that guy? He's just totally yeah. dressing like he's from you know the late sixties or seventies, and he lives in Nashville or something. And meanwhile, yeah. he's putting out these brilliant albums, and I think people, some people anyway, uh, are distracted Conflate by that. The two things, yeah, they're just distracted by it because they're like, you know, there's people. It's weird. You 
well, who is it? A Jeff Burner has this amazing song about Southern Ontario accents. Um, oh, really? <laughs> have you have you ever heard his song "Phony Drawl"? No, I haven't heard that. That's it's, amazing. It's not a. I don't. I don't think it ever made it on a record. And I'm not sorry. This is. I'm not trying to uh, lump you in this category. But I, I wonder if people making these these kinds of songs or this kind of music are ever sensitive to that fact that this idea of, you know, that when you when you enter into a tradition, you you are giving yourself into that a little bit, and there's totally. comfort and limitation within that. You know, there's comfort in putting on a Western shirt and getting on stage and putting on a hootenanny, but there's also like. And, and that's there's comfort for the people receiving it too, but there's also room for cynicism, right? Just like absolutely, yeah. So I'm, I'm this, this is what I'm getting at. Burner's song is yeah. Jeff's song's amazing, and it's um, I should check it out. That's cool. The chorus is something like "phony draw, phony draw, uh, something, something, something." I used to sing about guns and horses. I or I sing about guns and horses, and not my university courses. Uh, <laughs> I just can't escape this. Great. Can't escape this phony draw. It's a brilliant song. It's very funny. Um, although I think that caused, apparently it caused some consternation like 10 years ago because, uh, some people accused him of writing it about Fred Eaglesmith Sp- right. specifically. I don't know if they had some kind of beef or Jeff was, you know, Jeff, if he sees something that he finds askew, he'll, you know, he'll just like home in on he'll it. He'll say what he, he'll say what he wants to say yeah. no matter what. Yeah. yeah. You're friends with Jeff. I am, yeah. Jeff's Jeff's great. That's really funny. I want to hear that song now. It's I'll some, send him an email. You like, should send, send him an email me. and see if I think it's like maybe a, there's a live version kicking around somewhere. But anyway, my point here is: uh, Are you ever do you ever concern yourselves with that thing with that kind of thing where you're you're as I say you are within the comfort of a of a tradition and and yet at the same time you are kind of maybe pigeonholed when you get into that stuff. Totally. Yeah. I think like for, for me anyways, right now, I'm not really making music that I would call country in the same way that I was with the first, the first record that I did where I was like, I really wanted to explore writing country songs, you know, and, and making those sorts of arrangements with like two fiddles and a, and a pedal steel and a one, four bass going on, you know, the whole time. Right. With the songs I'm writing now, I, feel, I don't know really what they are. They're kind of like rock songs. Like, Yes, um, or pop songs or or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it is a it is a big thing, and it, it's funny to me, like to hear, like I really love Dan Romano's music, you know, and I've been a big fan of his stuff since Attack on Black. Um, and to hear to hear like announcing the King of Mosey and these sorts of things, I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm sort of confused because at the end of the day, I'm like, there's amazing songs, and I think like I hear music as I hear songwriting as being sort of uh on a spectrum from from i can hear a chad van galen song speaking to this speaking to like a jimmy rogers song on the same sort of spectrum of songwriting or even more more like further down from that like you know i could hear like an always song as being uh vaguely related to something like jimmy rogers or or willie nelson or something in some sort of way Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. 
With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That it's, that it's sort of, you know, it's, it's transcending, it's letting people feel some kind of thing that they're, that's outside of themselves. It's also, it's you're saying that like a pop song is still, almost everything is part of some tradition. Yeah, absolutely. It has some lineage to something before it. I mean, that's... totally. Yeah, I don't expect anyone here to reinvent the wheel, but I think that sometimes when I encounter uh, colleagues who are just like, I don't know about this thing, it seems contrived, and I'm like, no, well, have you listened to the record? This isn't about you, but this is about like other people. Yeah. And I'm like, well, just listen to the record. Like, the songwriting's great. Like, I don't understand why you're so wrapped up and mired Stuck in... Stuck in genre, yeah. Or mired in sort yeah. of authenticity. Like, what is authentic anymore? Um, totally, right? Like, this is the big, the big question, and I think... I think it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm very interested in that stuff too, though, thinking about like, you know, like, I don't know, when, when songwriters are doing something totally incredible and then they sort of change gears and do something that you're kind of like, I don't really get this anymore. Like we were, we were talking about the band Herman Dune mm-hmm. for a while and, and sort of like those first, those not first, those sort of mid records, like Not On Top and Giant, those records are incredible. And then they sort of, they sort of have a, a shift and it kind of becomes uh, they're just sort of playing brown eyed girl over and over and over again. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I wonder how that happens is like, it, it's almost like they were searching for some kind of like rock and roll authenticity in their sound. Right. And it lost for me, it lost me as a listener. Like I wasn't interested anymore. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. I just wonder if you think about it, it it's clear that you do a little bit. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned that before Peterborough, you lived in Sutton. What is your background exactly? Like, where are you from? I'm from Sutton, Ontario. So my my family moved from Toronto when I, I was born in, in North York. Um, and my family moved from Toronto when I was probably about nine up to Sutton, Ontario. Sutton, Ontario is sort of a cottage cottage community on the South Shore of Lake Simcoe. Uh-huh. Um, so we lived up there. Um, we, we When we were growing up, we were sort of middle class. And then when we, we moved to Sutton, we sort of um, became kind of poor. And we lived up there, and it was it was like an interesting thing. My father and my mother split up, so it was living with my mom up there. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a cool place to live, even though it was really small. And like there was a lot of us, so I have I have uh, two younger brothers and a younger sister, and we um, yeah we lived in this very small place, but we lived right on the water and we lived right in nature. So in the summertime, we would be swimming or we'd be. Um, playing playing on the beach or whatever, and then in the winter we'd be ice skating or we'd be you know um, snowshoeing or building building things with snow, and we'd be outside all the time because the house was too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and and living up there, there was a lot of people listening to country music, but they were listening to new country music, and I didn't really gravitate towards that, you know. So um, in high school, I remember really the the first record I ever got was Nirvana Nevermind, mm-hmm. and I bought that on this at the same time as I bought. Elton John's The Lion King soundtrack, I think. <laughs> and so I and the, the only place to get a to get an album was the grocery store up there. Oh, wow. So um so it was whatever was in the grocery store. So I remember being like, I love music. I don't really know what music I love, but I want to hear music. And I think Nirvana Nevermind was like number one at that point, and Elton John's The Lion King soundtrack was like 
also on the chart and i was like i'm getting both of these and i remember being totally totally into both of them and the songwriting from both of them and then also like years later you know discovering uh discovering folk music and being really into that you know i think the like nirvana unplugged thing really brought me into liking folk music when i was a kid and right yeah right and i did a job for a i did a job for a guy that was cutting grass and he listened to an AM radio station that had old classic country. And I remember being like, what is this? This sounds so awesome. It sounds like, um, you know, it sounds like lo-fi kind of sound like Sebado or all that kind of stuff, which I was into at that point. And I was like, what is this amazing music? And I, and I, you know, and found out it was like, it was like Hank Williams or something. And I was like, who's this guy? Hmm. And then got really into, into kind of classic country and older music. Do you remember what it was that pointed you to to pick up that Nirvana record in the Lion King soundtrack? Were you listening to the radio? Were you listening or watching TV? What was it? I'm not really sure. I just think that I think the Nirvana record was number one, and I remember it was it had this naked baby on it, and I was like, "What the heck can this even be?" And my parents were like, "You can get two, you can get two CDs if you want." And I was like, "Okay," and I knew what the Lion King was because I had seen the movie. But I had not heard Nirvana before, and so I bought. I was like, "I'm going to get these two. And my mom did not want me to get the one with the naked baby on it; so right. she had no idea what it was going to sound like. And uh, yeah, I think it's. I think I still have that CD kicking around here somewhere. But yeah. <laughs> and did you play your mom? Did your mom want to hear the Nirvana record? Yeah, my mom did, and she she liked it. She liked it. She she's like really into rock and roll growing up, so she was really into it. Um, yeah, and uh, it was like right around then. I think the first concert I went and saw was right sort of after that. And I was just, we, we were in Berlin a couple of weeks ago and we went to go see Jurassic World. Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent on the side, but we went to go see Jurassic World and coming out of the theater was Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr. Oh, wow. And I was, yeah, and I was totally blown away. I was like, that's Jay Maskus, holy, holy jumping. And, uh, and I was remembered that the first live band I ever saw was Dinosaur Jr., um, and we went to go see Alanis Morissette at the at the what's it called Barry Molson Park. Yeah, right. The Barry- I don't know what it's called now. Right. That park, and so it was like Alanis Morissette. I think it was like Our Lady Peace, and then the very first band on the stage was Dinosaur Junior. And um, my mom thought she, you know, we were going to go see Alanis, and the first thing we saw was Dinosaur Junior. And Dinosaur Junior to me at that point sounded like like Nirvana in that same sort of yeah, scene, yeah, right? Sure. So I was I was freaking out. I was like, this sounds like Nirvana. I want to go up front, check it out. And my mom obviously didn't want me to go up front. And uh, I did. And it was it was amazing. It was totally, totally blew me away. And so did you tell Jay Maskus any of this? Uh, no, he just looked at his phone and I said, hi. And he waved at me and then walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was like, he was with his son. He was probably like, texting you know texting his partner or something being like we just saw jurassic world and we're going home right <laughs> whatever right right yeah okay interesting that's that's interesting all right so yeah when i when i step back and think about it i feel like uh nirvana nevermind and the lion king soundtrack that is pretty much your music totally yeah isn't it <laughs> it's both of those things it's just really maybe a bit of dinosaur jr sure let's throw that in there don't hear that as much but i feel like those other two things yeah that's you yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? Like those <laughs> those first two records. That's what that's what you end up being, I guess. And you did kind you, of a weird mix. Did you end up in Peterborough for school, or did you actually move there? I ended up for school, but um, 
so Peterborough was one of like Toronto and Newmarket were kind of Newmarket was kind of the closest big town to Sutton. So if you needed to go get if you needed to get groceries, you could get them near there. But if you needed to go get I don't know uh, clothing or you wanted to go see a movie or something, you'd go to Newmarket. But a lot of the time, my parents didn't want to go to Toronto or to Newmarket because it was so busy, and they would come to Peterborough. So I sort of had a feel for Peterborough, and then. Um, I started seeing a girl that was living here when she was going to university here. And then I heard about this. She was like, there's this great band called the silver hearts and they play every Wednesday and they play all the, all the weird folk music that you really like. And I was like, that, that can't be true. And so I came to Peterborough. I took the bus from, from Toronto to Peterborough and uh, the silver hearts were playing and they were, it was incredible. You know, it was like this huge orchestra of people, you know, like 12, 15 people on stage. Um, playing these playing these old 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 songs some of them that they had written that sounded like they were from the turn of the century and then many that were from the turn of the century and i was totally blown away hmm. and uh yeah and i was like i kind of want to i want to i was interested in trent and i was like my interest in trent was you know i wanted to take english and study but i really wanted to become a better songwriter that was the whole reason why i wanted to go study literature was i wanted to be a better writer well when, but, did, you, when did you actually start playing music I started playing music when I was living in Sutton. So when I was when I was really little, I was maybe I don't know, twelve or so, hmm. and started playing guitar. My uncle Marty, I'm left-handed. My uncle Marty bought me a right-handed guitar, and we flipped it over, and and I, you know, tried starting writing songs. Okay, at that that age, like as a teenager, even. Yeah, as a teenager. Yeah, there's actually um, my first band was called Wayne Regretsky. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, which was uh, sort of like a punk band, I guess, with my friend Graydon. And uh, he he, uh, he, and I used to do, like, he would write, it was kind of like a duo that would write songs um, back and forth, kind of like the Unicorns. That was sort of like what we were, we were like, listening to at that point. Oh, okay. Um, um, like early Unicorn stuff. It was like a duo doing this sort of, like, weird, weird songs. And we would put out an album a month or something like that. You know, we were just, whatever we recorded on a four-track, we would release for free and give to people. It was way before Bandcamp and all those sorts of things. Sure, yeah. Just, like, actually make CDRs, make paper cases with art that we would make doesn't, and we would um, give them to our friends. Doesn't Sean Conway and Peterborough still do this? He still does, yeah. yeah. Just like a record yeah, every Sean, week or a record every month or something? He does so many, yeah. And yeah, Sean's amazing. He's actually going to be playing with me at Hillside, which will be really fun. Oh, he's in your band? Um, yeah, he's in my band now. So yeah, we're playing a bunch playing a bunch these days. So yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, but he, he, he's he an turns amazing out guitar songs. player, amazing songwriter, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. He's really talented. But yeah, so we used to make, we used to make like an album a month, basically, and... Um, they probably were terrible. I should try to find some of them. We actually, um, we actually gave a box of. We tried to give a box of them to Wayne Gretzky, like t- to the hockey player. I know who um, Wayne Gretzky is. Yeah, you might you might have heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So we we found out where his cottage was, which was sort of north of Sutton in the Muskokas on the other side of Lake Simcoe. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and we like found out. Of course, it was number ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the road so we figured out figured that out and then uh we we hopped the fence and like knocked on his door and put a box we made a box set like the only box set we ever made uh-huh. of like 10 of our albums and we like put it on his doorstep and we were scared so we ran away because we were worried there was like guard dogs or something like mr burns on the simpsons but you didn't so we no, ran no encounters no encounters so i don't know if he ever if he ever listened to them um, or if he just like if he even got them, but I hope he did. 
Yeah, well, maybe but, he's listening now. You know. Yeah. Now there's also a cover band in Toronto that have a kind of tribute to Wayne Gretzky. Totally. Yeah. Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne I Gretzky. Our, I think our name was a bit was a bit funnier. Yeah, it is. Wayne Regretsky is pretty amazing. That's a good name. Yeah. A, a lot of the art was like you know when he got traded from L.A. Uh, or to L.A. from Edmonton. Yeah. We took a lot of our artwork from that press conference. So like him sort of tearing up. Mm-hmm. A lot of our images were of him. Of him crying. So, so your way of giving him a gift was to give him a box set full of photos of him crying in 1988. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so. There was other ones with him holding the Stanley Cup, uh, much like that photo of you and Levon. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, um, I've made some pilgrimages to the Wayne Gretzky statue with my son. Yeah, yeah. 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 So in Edmonton, like, yeah. We did, we did do some of that as well. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool band. Yeah, no, I'd like to hear that. You should... Totally like yeah, I'll try it, to dig some up. Should make it make it like put it like as a secret secret tracks on the end of a Nick Ferrier record. That's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it'd I be think. fun. Or we could probably put up put something up on Bandcamp or something sure. so people can hear it. Well, the I best mean, of. It sounds like you got a lot going on. And I, did, I, what did you go to school for? You went to Peterborough and then you, you went to Trent and then you went to Guelph. What did you go to school for again? I went for English and Indigenous Studies. Right. Um, but I've primarily focused on Indigenous Studies. Um, mm-hmm. Once I got in university, it sort of you know my my interest changed. What does that mean um, exactly? What does Indigenous Studies mean in this in this in your case? Indigenous Studies. So it's like it's st- studying Indigenous politics, Indigenous policies um, within the Canadian government, within the colonial state. So, yeah, we would study um, whether it was language or we would study history and those sorts of things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And literature. So lots of literature um, as well. So I focused on literature. So that was sort of my thing. And you're saying that you've translated that field of study into songwriting primarily. Yeah, I mean that's sort of what when I was going to school I was I was really interested in becoming a songwriter. That was sort of I wanted to study really good writers. And um in first and second year university I sort of found a bunch of amazing indigenous writers. Um and so I was drawn to some of their work. Um people like Thompson Highway, um locally people like Leanne Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a few and, and, um, and I was blown away by their work and, and was, was drawn uh, people like in Guelph, like, like Tom King. Um, yeah. And so I was really into that, into that kind of writing and into the way that they play with the sort of, there's sort of a, a wittiness, a sort of a funniness and also a really seriousness and a, and a political weight to their work that, um, that I, that I was impressed with and was drawn to and wanted, wanted to do that kind of thing with my own work. Nice. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. That, so you, you seem like a guy it has a, a lot of interests, um, and for a couple of years there, you were the artistic director of the Peterborough Folk Festival. I remember that. Yeah, I was. You yeah, were very, very graciously, you would invite me to come and MC, and I had a great time. I didn't know much about that festival. Um, and this is this year. You're not right. You're not involved. No, no, I'm not involved anymore. No. And so, what can you talk about? What happened? I don't. You, you, I remember. I, there yeah. was an Announcement. You posted something on Facebook, and I, I think I called you to be like, "Hey, man, what happened?" And you did, yeah. Yeah, it was it was just sort of um I mean, it's kind of a I would say it's like a a a pandemic in arts in Canada where it's people are wanting more and more from music festivals or art festivals um but people need to be paid to to sort of create the work as much as the artists that are being paid, you know. So it it kind of came down to um, I was doing a lot of free labor and um, I mean, it's a, it is a labor of love doing a festival like this, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it is that, but like it, it kind of, it kind of turned sour between the board and myself and I couldn't see myself continuing, continuing on. And also like things were getting really busy musically 
for me. And, and it was started getting to the point where it's like, well, I can either be an artist or be an arts administrator, you know? And so I, I kind of was like, I think it's time to, time to sort of move on. Yeah. You made the call. Now you curated two, I thought really wonderful years. I mean, they definitely appealed to me, but they, they seem to be skewing a bit younger than maybe the festival would. Have normally. Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. I mean, I mean, like I'm really drawn to festivals like kazoo, um, like Lanya Vanya, um, other, you know, like, like Sled Island. Like there's lots of really cool festivals that don't necessarily, um, stick to a genre, you know, and maybe this is, maybe this is my big problem. It's like my music isn't, I don't hear genre in the same way that other people do. Yeah. And so that's not only just a musical problem for me, but it's also like a curatorial problem where, where I can see by divine right and the weather station, um, or, uh, you know, the Constantines and the double cuts, like a Western swing band on the same, on the same festival lineup and also speaking to the same audience. Cause to me, that's, those are bands that I love and they're very different from one another. Um, and to, to, I think to a lot of people, like, like something like someone like the Constantines is going to be amazing. And so is the double cuts, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think the reaction was not so good. Well, I mean, th- were the sales good? Yeah, I mean, there was lots of people. We had lots and lots of people. So I mean, the, the show, yeah. the, the one, the big day is free. It's in the park. Uh, yeah, and the tickets for the Constantines were great. You know, like it was sold out. So it's like I don't know. And the year but, before it was I mean, Joel Plaskett and his dad. Yeah, and that was, was really great. Yeah, it was fun. And so this year, uh, I noticed that Matt Anderson is one of their headliners. I noticed. I think Joel. They're bringing Joel back. They are. Yeah. What did you make of the lineup this year? Your first year not doing it in a couple of years. Um, Honestly, I wasn't so impressed, to be honest. Not to sound like a dick, I guess, but I'll probably get called a dick for saying that, but that's okay. <laughs> Who do they? Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly who's playing. I, I just saw that those two people. Uh, um, it's, it seems like, I don't know. It's To me, it's sort of like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty like, it's really folky, which is what I guess the name implies. Um, yeah, and I hope the best. I hope it goes really well. I know that they've had a really hard time Um getting things off the ground. I know that they haven't hired anybody and I feel like that's not a good way to, to go forward. I think you need to have an artistic director to be successful. Yeah. Um, in today's festival culture. Um, I think like now more than ever, there's so many festivals going on um, I mean, all the time. Aren't you kind of glad? Like I've never, this is the craziest glut of festivals in this, in this province I've ever seen. Aren't you almost kind of glad you're not involved? Yeah, I really am. It's been a, it's been a, I mean, for this summer, like today for you to call me and I'm like, what did you do today? And I said, I went swimming with my girlfriend and I ate some good food and I was relaxed. Like last year at this point, I was probably like writing a grant report in a sweaty office on a Sunday afternoon, you know, like, like really working hard to get paperwork in and like, uh, you know, booking a hotel for someone or, or, or having a meeting or whatever. And, and and it's like, it is a pretty thankless job at the end of the day, but it's also a really rewarding job because it's, you get to bring really interesting stuff to your community. Um, if, if, if that's what you're doing, you know? So yeah, I don't know. Part of me wants to start doing more, more concerts here in Peterborough. And part of me just wants to just like say, fuck it. And just like do my thing. Yeah. I mean, at some point that's what happens. You get a bit older and you get a little more focused. I mean, on some level you were, you were doing a, you were working at a folk festival because it was part of your milieu. It was part of what you, it was an extension of what you wanted to be doing. 
but yeah, exactly. it's mostly a lot of work and <laughs> and and uh, administrative work, and it's not as fun maybe as people think sometimes. Yeah, I mean the great thing is like you know having the cons play will always be like a really memorable thing for me. You know, what about the because fact? That, what about the fact that the Burning Hell got to play for the first time? That was also really good. And the day that I was hired, that was the very first thing I said when they said, "Would you do this job?" And I said, "I'm going to book the Burning Hell." because <laughs> it was sort of a controversial thing in Peterborough. Yeah, um, that the band wasn't you know, permitted to play, yeah. The band wasn't wasn't really invited to play, and and like we've been, you know, really successful um, as far as Peterborough bands that have been, in, that have lived in Peterborough, I think were like, well, you know, one of the more successful ones. I think Three Days Grace might have us on on a couple of uh, that, that band's stats. From, that band's from Peterborough? I think so, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um you know, but like for the most part, like we just play Glastonbury, you know, and to not be able to play the Peterborough Folk Festival seems kind of silly yeah. to me. So it was that was one of my favorite ever Burning Hell shows watching you guys do that. So well, thanks. Yeah, we had a, it was really nice. But I think me playing that festival, like playing the show, I think that was to a lot of people. There was like this guy's just you know tooting his own horn or whatever. Sure, sure. So, I mean, yeah, I can see it's hard to live in a small town without making someone angry about something fuss. yeah yeah, yeah it's just the way it yeah. works now you are playing yeah. you're playing the hillside festival which will uh, consist of your own set and uh, are you in workshops or anything yeah i'm doing a workshop as well yeah and what's the workshop uh it's with thus owls and astral swans it's on sunday i think it's at seven thirty. and and do, is there a theme is there a title it doesn't have a theme as far as i know oh okay um yeah, but it should be really fun. I'm really, really excited to be playing Hillside. We did Hillside with the Burning Hell in 2010, I think. Yeah. 2009, maybe. And it was really great. And it's it's such a great festival. Um, yeah, it's a model that, like, when I first started with the Folk Festival, I got in touch with Sam and said, hey, I just got this job. I am kind of don't know what I'm doing. Can I come come to hillside and like chat with you and and check out the festival and he was you know with open arms he said yeah come on it'll be great come by you know nice come check it out and we can chat and you know if you need any advice send me an email he was so so helpful and it's it's really it's a really great festival so i'm I'm super excited there's so many so many cool bands that i want to see too so yeah and and, and, um, and are the burning hell not swinging back around uh to play in Alora? Yeah, we're doing the Alora Festival, and um, we're doing some stuff in Ontario in August. And we just made a new record, too. So we were in England on that tour, and we made a record for five days. Um, and, yeah, we're going to do some mixing of that record while we're in, while we're in Ontario. And, um, yeah, things are, things are feeling pretty good. Where did you make the Burning Hell record? We recorded at this studio called Big Jelly uh, Studios, which is in Ramsgate, England. Okay. Um, it's like a, a little seaside community on the channel beautiful little place and um the studio used to be a um a chapel uh, and so we we played there a couple of years ago and the um the uh the folks at this rams it's called the ramsgate music hall the folks were they said we well, got this studio you should come check out and um and uh the, yeah it was really fun it was really cool so i'm pretty excited it's a pretty rock and roll record it's pretty like fast and I think it's. I think it's really good. There's some really cool songs on there. Seem to be getting faster. The Burning Hell seems to get louder and faster each. Yeah, I think so. It's weird. Most bands get the older they get, the slower and more um, relaxed they get. We're doing the opposite of that. <laughs> well, it's awesome. It's great. Now, is there anything else coming next? Uh, anything else beyond the the, the shows that's uh, that, that's coming up next for you, Nick Ferrio? Yeah, we're, I'm doing some some stuff in September. Um, 
we're doing uh, Pop Montreal and the Blue Rosenden Folk Festival and doing some touring with uh, with Stanley Brinks and Frischard. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stanley Brinks was uh, used to be known as Andre Herman Dune, and he used to play in Herman Dune. And he um, he's amazing, really great songwriter, uh, lives in Berlin. And so they're going to come over to play those two festivals, and we're going to tour with them and back them up on some shows. So that'll be kind of fun. And uh, I'm recording another record already. Oh, good. Um, kind of back at it. Yeah. And um, this record, Amongst the Coyotes, is going to be released in Europe, which is really exciting. So I'll be doing some touring in Europe again by myself or hopefully with a trio or some some folks behind me so it's not just me on a train <laughs> right right and um, you pronounce yeah. it you pronounce it coyotes coyotes or coyotes i change i change it sometimes i say amongst the coyotes and bird songs yeah okay i'm gonna try and start saying that myself okay <laughs> that's okay with you once again the latest album by nick ferrio is amongst the coyotes and bird songs it's uh, out now by headless owl and shuffling feet records and uh he'll be playing uh sh- a show a set and uh, at least one workshop at the Hillside Festival in Guelph on the weekend of July 24th. And his band, The Burning Hell, will be in Alora at Riverfest in August as well. And so that, I forgot to mention that. I guess we talked about it. So that's good. And and for more information about Nick and his work, you can go to nickferio.com and his upcoming shows at Hillside, hillsidefestival.ca. Uh, Nick, is there a, a song from the new record that we can uh, play for people? Yeah, maybe play At My Window. Why did that come that to mind? Song's- uh, I'm sitting by the window with my dog currently because it's so hot in my apartment. <laughs> and uh, my the song is kind of about, sort of about this moment that I'm having right now, which, I mean, it happened before, I guess, where the dog was sort of sitting by the window and was sort of watching stuff go by and kind of was aware of the, you know, outside world more than I was because I was busy um, interacting with technology, which is what I'm doing currently. All right, that that's uh, that's nice. All right, this is at my window by Nick Ferrio. Uh, Nick, thanks for being on the show, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, best, best of luck with everything. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. my window in the morning where the light comes pouring in there's a little bird he's warning as she sings ooh at my window in the evening There are a couple Slobbering friends of mine As night falls On the bones and marrow It's howling time
them how Ooh, ah, Night comes knocking, spooks the dog from bed Somewhere out there, the man in the moon is laughing Something I said Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at cfru.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.